the reason why Russell Crowe's character was invested in it after the fact was because he's a pedophile bully. Well, <laughs> did you guys know that when you drink, you see bees? <laughs> Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new Shane Black film, The Nice Guys, which stars Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Are you Steve Jobs? What? Hold on a second. Are you the billionaire owner of Apple Computers? No. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, you got no right to wear New Balance sneakers ever. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back into Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, and this is episode 65. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the new Shane Black action comedy crime thriller, The Nice Guys. Tucson is really excited for this episode. Yeah, I am. He's got like a bobblehead thing going on. Yeah. He wore a sleeveless shirt to the episode. Yeah, it's summer. It kind of is. Yep. We're, getting, we're almost there. It yeah. is late May, so. I mean, I, we're not like in the, the dead heat of summer, so I don't wear shorts yet, but. Uh, yeah. You don't wear shorts. Well, uh, yeah, you know, there's like one mythical day of the summer where I wear shorts. But it's not like. It's not like real shorts. You wear basketball shorts. Yeah. Well, actually, I do have shorts, but I, whatever. So, so, wait. No. Hold on. We need to get to the bottom of this real quick. <laughs> like, we have to get to the bottom. <laughs> we need to document this. You have a real pair of shorts like that have belt loops and everything. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I think you should wear them sometime this year. Okay. That okay. sounds good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. I mm-hmm. was going to say, I wanted to confirm this. It's been confirmed. And now we'll have an episode this year where Tucson will be wearing shorts. <laughs> So, boom. But you have to guess which one it is. Which episode? Our our listeners are going to have to guess which one it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, the next time we have an Instagram post... It'll be the one in which I say, Tucson's wearing shorts in this episode. Yes. God. And there will be a photo of him in shorts. This has been a very, very good episode. I think we should just stop right here, because uh, it's reached its high point. No! I agree. <laughs> Nick Cheney, the other voice you hear. Oh, hello. And let's get right into it, uh, talking about this film. All right. Which I was very excited for. This was, like, in my top two, probably top two films that I'm most excited for was this and Suicide Squad. Mm. So there's still a chance that one of those will be good. Uh, (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. We'll get into that. Uh, The Nice Guys, uh, the new Shane Black film, uh, which was written and directed by him. Uh, His previous major films are Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man 3, both of which are good. I actually prefer Iron Man 3. I I love Iron Man, which is not a big surprise, but it's also a really good movie. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang also quite good. One of my favorite comedies of all time. We did a whole episode on it. We did. If you want to hear Tucson's thoughts on it and all of our thoughts, you can go back and listen to that. This film, however, The Nice Guys, is about a mismatched pair of private eyes who are investigating the apparent suicide of a fading porn star in 1970s Los Angeles. One's blue and one's brown. I never got the whole suicide thing. Yeah, it wasn't really apparently a suicide. I guess. Maybe that's IMDb fucking up again. Yeah. Well... Either way, I, I I wouldn't be that surprised either way. I don't so. think I still understand what happened in that first scene. I don't either, so we'll we'll get to that. Equanimity. Quality of being calm. Who is it? Messenger service. Even tempered. March. We're gonna play a game. I have to give the wrong house. Always called shut up unless you're me. I love that game. You're a private investigator? Just 20 bucks in there, all right? Just take it. No, I'm not here for that. I'm a messenger. Give me your left arm. No! Yeah, come on. No. When you're talking to your doctor, no. you tell him you have a spiral fracture. No! Deep breath. No. 
I'm not in the yellow pages. If you got trouble with someone, you might ask around for me, Jackson Healy. I work for the Department of Justice. My daughter Amelia is in danger. Please find her, protect her. March, Jack Ely. I'm not here to hurt you, so I'm gonna ask you a question. No. How stupid do you think I am? I got a license to carry, dumbass. And ever since your little visit, this little baby's gonna stay right here. Don't move. There's a couple of people I trust say you're pretty good at this. I want you to find Amelia. I would have thought your job ended with breaking my fucking arm. You're the guy who beat up my dad. Hey, sucker punched your dad. Big difference. Seen this girl? She's got dark hair. Name's Amelia. What's in it for me? He'll stop doing it. Doing what? Oh, fuck! Dad? Dad, there's like whores here and stuff. Sweetheart, how many times have I told you? Don't say and stuff. Just say, Dad, there are whores here. The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, Amelia is involved. One thing we know for sure, something funny's going on. Oh, this just keeps getting better and better. You're the world's worst detective. The world's worst. Nobody got hurt. People got hurt. I'm saying I think they died quickly, though, so I don't think that they got hurt. Come on! Again, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in this film, as well as Angry Rice. I don't know. She's like Whoa. the little girl who played Holly. Yeah. Ryan Gosling's daughter. Don't mm-hmm. know how to say her name. Also, Matt Balmer is here playing John Boy. And also Keith David and uh, Margaret Qualley, who is from The Leftovers. Yeah. And she had quite the interesting accent in this film. Don't really know what she was trying to do, but it was there for you. And also an appearance here for some reason by Kim Basinger. And Ty Simpkins, who shows up in the beginning part of the film after his amazing work in Jurassic World. And Keith David as older guy. Yeah, he said Keith David. Oh, yeah. Did I? You did. You did. Oh, oh, I don't remember us doing that, but okay. Wow. <laughs> we did. We both didn't remember that. Oh, we'll so go you, back. So you, <laughs> no, I, I don't think I said it. So you definitely did because okay. I was surprised you mentioned him for some reason. I don't okay, know. I well, he was in the movie, so yeah. I was surprised just because I thought you were gonna like stop after like the first three or four. Or okay. So uh, then I'm like, oh, Keith David, and then you're like, and Keith David, and then you're like, I don't remember saying Keith David, and now I feel like I'm going fucking insane. Well, yeah, <laughs> you probably are. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. All, all work and no play makes Nick a dull boy. Yeah. So anyways, this film uh, I was very excited for, and I know Tucson, you were as well, so why don't you start us off since... Uh, I'm probably going to be the high point of this. Well, whoa, whoa, let's whoa. maybe. I don't, I'm not, maybe I'm not you sure. have the highest rating, but I don't know if, you have the high, if you're the high point of this episode. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm talking about, though. Um, uh, well, and also, too, you are a very... Big Shane Black fans, mm-hmm. so I think it's fitting for you to so do the lid lifter here. Okay. Start us off. Yeah. yeah. So you like, um, sh- wait, you're a big Shane Black fan? I'm big fan of uh, Kiss be- Kiss Bang Bang. Because of his last name? No. I also know that the film was also produced by Joel Silver, so those are both colors, I guess. Who's Joel Silver? I don't know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to this film. Like, I wouldn't say that it was in my top three, but it was definitely in like my top top ten because like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, as I mentioned before, is like one of my absolute favorite films. We already did an episode on it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm going to talk about the nice guys. So things that um, I went into kind of like expecting, like seeing as how it's when, – when I first saw the trailer for this, I thought it was going to be a return to sort of like the contemporary like neo-noir um, sort of vibe that was like – 
very very much emblematic of like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and I think it's like, oh wow, it's like he's finally coming back to that. Like it's going to be another like buddy comedy sort of thing. Is like it's going to have like whip sharp dialogue because that's the thing I remember most and enjoy the most out of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, and I felt like it sort of delivered in that capacity, but just not. Um, it wasn't as it wasn't as sharp and it wasn't as memorable. I really did enjoy the chemistry between uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, who are supposed to kind of play off each other as like Russell Crowe's character is like he's not a PI. He's sort of like a um, a pedophile bully. No, he's not a pedophile bully. He's a roughneck. I'm just saying he's only introduced to us because he basically says the one line of dialogue. That's n- like- that's not all. That's one of the things that he does. Really, he's just a guy who like. He's hired muscle where he just goes in. Like, I mean, was Ryan Gosling's uh, character a pedophile? Like, he went in and beat the shit out of him because he was paid in order to do that. Like, he's hired muscle. In that no, I, I guess. I'm um, making a half joke, yeah. but I'm also not pulling this out of my ass. Like, okay. it was A, he had the line of dialogue. If something about, like, if you mess around with little girls, he was, B, was, he literally is being paid, yes, to go beat up people who are following little girls. He, and third, uh, uh, see, we the, no, just hold on. But see, the, the other introductory scene is him going to beat the shit out of the drug dealer who mm. hangs out with a thirteen-year-old girl. So, yeah, the, the I'm re- just saying, the it seems like he had a weird niche. He does have a niche, but it's not the only thing that he does because I think like he was just listing it off. It's like I'm not in the yellow pages. I'm not in the whatever. But if you ask around, you'll find me. If you need somebody to like get roughed up or something. But wasn't he on an advertisement? Who he was on? Who are we a, talking about here? Uh, uh, Russell Crowe's character. Russell Crowe's character. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Because I thought yeah, he, was, he was. Yeah, he was in the car. Jackson he, Healy. That's his name. Um, he when what was it after Margaret, Amelia? Amelia pays him to do that, whatever. She has a thing. Oh, yeah, you're right. So he's not in the yellow pages. He's in the other pages? Sort of. It's it's like a specialty. It seemed like a specialty publication by certain other PIs and other shit like that. Um, But really, going back to uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, I thought they really played off of one another. Not sort of as a atypical good cop, bad cop, fish out of water. like other more experienced sort of guy, although they did sort of like have that dynamic. I kind of saw like there's this bad guy and then there's a guy who is worse in sort of a way. It's like they're both sort of experienced. Like one of like Ryan Gosling's character of um, what's his name? They pretty much just call him March throughout the film. Yeah, just call him March. Like March is, is sort of inept. He's sort of a a selectively capable like PI who sometimes he clucks on the money, sometimes he doesn't. And really his um, daughter, Holly March is sort of like the pseudo half the brains of the operation because she seems to be really like up on like what he actually like does. Like she's not phased by anything. I feel like if I can sneak in really quick here, I think for me, what you're going into Dusan is one of the things that I actually thought was one of the weakest parts of the film. Okay. Uh, which is that I thought that most of the characters were horribly drawn out. Mm. Um, I think Holly is probably one of the best written characters in the entire film. Oh, which, yeah, definitely. Which is kind of a problem when a child in the film, and she's you know, 13, 14, whatever she's supposed to be, when she's your best written character, uh-huh. I'm not so sure about that. And I actually disagree with you about Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, because I thought they had absolutely no chemistry in this movie, which... I thought they did, but... Okay. That, that, that's, that, and, that's and that's fine. everybody takes away something different, and I, I've only seen it the one time. But I thought that um, they just did not mesh very well together, and I, I, that kind of took away from me a little bit. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I mean, I personally thought that they kind of like played off one another. Yeah. Um, I actually like the dialogue that they exchanged with one another. But again, I have to say that it just wasn't. It, it was one of those things that was sort of like a flash in the pan that I really enjoyed in the moment. Um, but looking back on it, I cannot for the life of me, like quote a single line from that film. And I think that is definitely a problem with it. I think that there were sort of things that I clued into or kind of like I was hooked by simply for the fact of going back to, to my whole like redundancy with like Keith David, like I was really taken with that in the fight scenes between him and Russell Crowe because Keith David just just seeing seeing the the viscerality of those fight scenes the viscerality of like the gore and the fight scenes in this film i think that like even though you guys might disagree with me i thought that this was um on par with Shane Black only a little bit more extreme than what i'm used to actually like seeing from him personally for me that's that's just kind of like my takeaway from it yeah. but the reason why i really enjoyed Keith David even though he really didn't have shit to do in this 
simply the fact that he was involved in these fight scenes because like it was nice to see him in that in that sort of like context again because literally this guy Keith David is one of the members of one of the most memorable like 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 film on on screen film fight scenes from They Live where he's getting his ass kicked in a hallway so it's like it kind of like clued me back to that so it was nice to see him in that I got to tell you I can never see Keith David and not just imagine him saying how'd you get the means about Frank um, I can never see Keith David and not think of uh, Goliath from Gargoyles because that's what see, I grew up on. But that's the thing about character actors like Keith David because you think of that and I think of there's something about Mary. So mm. it, it's one of those things where it's just kind of where you remember them from. So yeah. two totally different ball games are playing on yeah. here with Keith David. I can't look at Keith David and not think that he's a multifaceted actor who started many sitcoms like Enlisted in Community, but also in some great movies like uh, The Thing and uh, yeah. other cool. fun stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Shots fired. <laughs> no, I mean, like that, that's. I'm actually glad that you raised that because you know he is a really multifaceted actor. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, uh, going back to like a couple of other roles that I really liked in this, like I really enjoyed, and you guys are probably going to roll your eyes at this, but I actually enjoyed Matt Bomer as John Boy, you know, yeah. the, 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 the guy from the Waltons. No, the, uh, the distant cousin of old boy. Um, no, he, <laughs> I was, I was making a bad joke. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. John Boy was basically the assassin character in, in this. And I actually thought he was, an interesting looking antagonist. I couldn't stop thinking about how his hair looked like, uh, how Kyle, what's his name? Is it, it's not McLaren. Is it McLaughlin? McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin's hair in the, uh, terrible movie showgirls. The great movie. Showgirls. Well, that's an opinion. We're uh, putting up a plaque in our studio. Of showgirls. We don't need to tell people about this. Yes, we do. It'll be on the Instagram account. Yes, it will. And it's not a plaque. It is the original laser disc of showgirls. It will be hung on the film tank wall. And I just want everybody to know that. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I'm on board for that. We're proud However, of that. I'm pretty sure that Matt Bomer is wearing the exact same hairpiece that Kyle McLaughlin. Like, I, I think that. I think that hairpiece should be somewhere in a museum because it has survived a lot of not-so-great roles. Not-so-great. Um, but Kyle McLaughlin in Showgirls <laughs> is actually better than Matt Bomer. I kind of his, agree with that, actually. Yeah, isn't it? Like, yep. Rounding out my, uh, my impressions for this, like I really enjoyed it as a... I mean, it doesn't have to really go above and beyond in order to like fix itself as a character, as a as a period piece in 1970s. All you have to do is just like have like the right iconography around it. But I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that the first scene that um, has Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe's character working together when they're going to the party, um, like Earth, Wind, and Fire are playing at. At, at, at this party, and I thought that was awesome. It was like, especially in, in light of yeah. the, the fact that you know Maurice White like passed away this year. So, does anybody know who the comedian was at the comedy store? I'm just curious because I I didn't look at the entire marquee. I and I know one was Tim Allen and a one wasn't Tim Allen. Yeah. Uh, but I know I I'm pretty sure whoever because we always see the back of the Gary Shandling. Prob- no. Um, I don't think it was at least because I don't. I feel like I would have solved that. Okay. Name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And plus, he doesn't sound exactly like that. Um, considering he had a, he would have an easy voice to impersonate, I think. But I think it's clear that it's supposed to be like a fun little like spot that person. But mm-hmm. I just could not figure out who it was. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, just didn't know if you guys knew. No, yeah. I did not. Yeah. So I really just enjoyed uh, the the iconography. I enjoyed uh, the replication, especially like the whole Fritz the Cat sort of sign that was like up there. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, we got to see uh... Tower Records. <laughs> we got to yeah. see Tower Records. Tower yeah. Records. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. I was really happy to see that, um, even if it was just a little aside. And I really just enjoyed uh, the music overall. I thought it was... I actually agree with you. I think the music here was one of the best parts of the film. The... And I'm not even saying that, and I'm making it sound like I absolutely despise this film, which I did not really. But not I re- really. <laughs> I really enjoyed the music. Well, coming from my perspective, mm-hmm. not really loving the film, and this is was one of the films I was looking forward to the most this year, yeah. I'm a little bit let down by that, so... Yeah. I'm probably going to be a little bit harder on this film than I should be, but yeah, that's the the folly of expectations. But you know what? I've been there. Yeah, yeah. There's really no way to avoid it, unfortunately. I know. Yeah. So, do you have anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Um, yeah, okay. I'm passing off to you guys. Okay. Well, I will go next if that's okay, Nick. That's okay. 
Go and for I, it. As I mentioned, I was very much excited for this film and quite a bit let down by the fact that it just was kind of a mess throughout the, the entirety of the film. Uh, when there were parts of this movie that were really good, I enjoyed them, and there were quite a few to mention. Um, I, th- I thought the two to maybe even, if you want to count one other one, three major action sequences were actually really good. Uh, the scene at the party, at the uh, the, the porn star party, or, or whatever you want to call that early on, mm. like that was a tone setter for me that I thought that was going to kind of start progressing where the rest of the film is going to go. And unfortunately, even in the pretty good final scene, uh, climactic scene at least, of this film, we don't ever really reach that level for me again. And it was really disappointing. Like, the moment where they just mistakenly shoot the guy who's dressed as a tree. Like, that was... Oh, my God. That was great. And I love little things like that. And those were the kind of things that we saw a lot of in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. We saw a lot of people... Like random innocent people getting shot in this film, and I was gonna say that is a joke that did kind of, I would say, repeat itself. Well, it did, the entire but it it, it, yeah. it never really. I felt like, in fact, there's a precursor to the tree getting shot because they, it happens before that with the the random girl across the street. Yeah, yeah, and the, with the burglars. Yeah, so. and the tree does then the actual physical tree does fall down on the house later in the film. Whatever. And maybe those are little things that layers upon layers through multi- through multiple viewings will kind of tease themselves out a little bit and, and make this film a little more enjoyable. But on the first viewing, there just wasn't really that much there for me in terms of uh, other major sequences that really jumped out. And and the the biggest thing is that the jokes and the dialogue and the chemistry through this film just really didn't hit very well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think any of the actors or characters really had great chemistry together. Could be on purpose. But for me, uh, as, a, as a person who's want, wanting to watch a film and really get into it, this didn't present a very good rhythm for me to follow. You'd have one really funny joke, and you'd have like some, some funny gags about the time period, like even the opening scene where the kids are watching the the thing about adjectives, and they show the... the yeah, Pla- the plain towel, the not whatever towel, and then the the gay towel, whatever. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I didn't quite get that. I, like, <laughs> I laughed at it because I just wasn't expecting it. I know, and, but and I think that's. I don't think I'll laugh at it again. How could they ever show that? <laughs> well, I don't think they did. I know. I think no. it was like, made it's, up it's, for the movie. Okay. But, yeah. But it's but I don't understand. Like, does he think that the seventies were like such a raucous time that? Yeah. We were <laughs> showing videos that had. I mean, I know kids these days, I, yeah. or those days. But it, 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 that's, I guess, what I'm trying to get at is, even though I did enjoy that that line specifically, and there were other funny comedy bits throughout the film, whether they be dialogue or they be physical, like the bowling ball flying backwards uh, when they're at the daughter's birthday party. It just never really caught on and kept going. And there were multiple times too, and I felt like. There was just weird, awkward dialogue that didn't even have jokes with punchlines. Like, there was just weird things said, especially by Russell Crowe's character, that I just couldn't get that into, especially on a first viewing. So, Mm. yeah, ultimately on the surface, it just was kind of a disappointment for me. Because even though there were some parts of this movie I really enjoyed, I just didn't enjoy it as a whole very much. So, that's where I kind of stand. That's fair. How about you, Nick? Uh, I thought this was quite bad. I, uh, <laughs> quite bad. This was, and I, I say that as someone who's surprised to be saying that because, although I don't think I was as anticipating this movie as much as either one of you, um, I certainly like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a lot, and I like what Shane Black does in general. Um, but I, I would, I'm very surprised that he made a superhero movie that I like more than a 70s crime noir comedy, you know, film like that mm. just doesn't make sense to me. And yet that's what you get when you make the nice guys, apparently, because um, <laughs> that's the life we were given. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think the two, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, do have great chemistry. Okay. I think all of the the, shall we say, pauses and whatever. Or just the like. I think all the problems of this movie come with the script. Like, okay. It's not so much that like they did the most they could with this for me at least. Like okay. I, I was on board with them too, and I was on board with them as individual performers, mm-hmm. particularly Ryan Gosling, who I thought actually knocked it out of the park. Even if I didn't like this movie, I thought he had some of the highest moments in the film came from him. Yeah. But uh, I have to disagree with you guys on their chemistry together because I just well, it's wasn't not that picking I think it that up. They have like. 
great because it's not like I'm going to remember this movie yeah. like ten years from now or something like that, or ten minutes from now. But like I would, <laughs> like I, yeah, I would absolutely watch like a rewrite of this movie because I I liked what they had for me. Like okay. you know, so I was on board with it with those two. I wasn't on board with the movie. Um, I thought as a comedy, like you had mentioned, Alex, this the pacing of this is terrible. Yeah. Uh, it just like it has funny jokes and yet it doesn't know how to tell them, and that's pretty sad. Um, the reason why the trailer is so funny is because those jokes actually work with that pacing. The reason why those jokes, the same jokes even, don't really land in the movie is because the movie that surrounds it is quite inept at so many different things. I thought um, the noir uh, plot line was excruciatingly bad. I will, I will say this. If I could interject just for a second, yeah. I thought that... Um, for me, at least, following the the primary plot of and just kind of like jumping into like some precursory details, like about finding this supposed um, film reel that kind of like would would implicate uh, various members of like the the, the crime board or whatever um, in basically. Do, like that wasn't the primary plot, though. I thought that was the, the primary plot is just to find Amelia. Okay. That just kind of really came into play in the third act. I guess one of the 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 supporting plots is like who is actually trying to kill Amelia. I thought that was kind of like outed in the middle of the second act. And I don't know if that was the, the film just being very overt with that, or if it was trying to hide it in plain sight, but I just felt like you, you, like the character themselves explains why they would be the only person that would want to see Amelia dead. Yeah, Yeah. But that scene wasn't really like, like by that point, you know, because we're entering the third act. So Mm. we're being introduced we we have information the characters don't specifically, like the main characters, so it's more just dramatic irony, I okay. think. Um, I think it's a noir, as, as you were already kind of alluding to, Nick. This this doesn't really work as a film that's trying to be a noir, and it also doesn't really work as a film that's trying to be um, meta of being a noir either. Like it, it seems, It's not meta at all, I think. Well, that's the thing, though. Like I feel like you can only really do one or the other. Like If that's what you kind of want your film to be, mm. you either have to almost be poking fun at the fact that this isn't a noir that's trying to be a noir, or it that's has kiss, to... That's bang-bang. Literally, like what you're, what you're describing right now. Is it like, is and it isn't, because yeah. that film f- finds some sort of weird sweet spot where it kind of still is at one point, but it, it mm. is also... I feel like self The noir aware. Kiss, kiss Bang Bang is almost incidental to to the main because yeah, that's, but that's a whole other conversation. I was going to say that, yeah. okay, that's sorry. kind of the – if you want to get into a discussion about noir films. I mean, it, Anyways, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is is the noir element in this film doesn't really work at any moment for me. Right, I, and I agree. I, yeah. I thought that uh, – from the very first moment of like this case, so to speak, which really just has to do with Amelia, um, it's it's just so boring. Uh, if I'm just <laughs> going to be completely blunt, because at least ninety percent of good noirs will like give us a reason as to why the detective would be so engrossed by the case. We don't get a reason other than the fact that they had to turn the page on the script and keep going uh, here. The reason why um, Russell Crowe's character was invested in it after the fact was because he's a pedophile bully. Well, <laughs> no, I actually, that's I, not I, what I'm, that's not what I'm going to say is like the reason why is because literally had Blueface and Keith David's character. This, this character is actually credited as Blueface. Um, that like, was horrible too, by the way. Yeah, that was that was. I thought that was pretty funny when it actually blew up in his face, but like, you know, whatever. Um, to each their own. Uh, that was when, when he when they actually go to his apartment. Like he realizes, like, oh shit! It's like these people are going to hurt her. It's like I, I know that's not really well explained. It's not really well substantiated as as why he would have a personal investment of it. But maybe it's just because, like, as a character, like we see later on in this film that he's he, he is he is not a good person. He will kill people if he if he feels like he has to. He will hurt people if he feels like he has to. But I feel like he wants to. He, he keeps on going back to this story about how he was the diner guy who saved everyone in the diner. He didn't even get paid for it. And it was the one time that he felt like he was useful. And I feel like going, going off of that story, like having knowledge of that story and looking back on the reasoning why he actually goes into like trying to save Amelia is because he's trying to relive that moment where like I'm a bad person. He knows that. But he wants to like try to grasp after doing something good. I gotta say, in regards to the diner scene, yeah. um, 
it's like that's brought up almost as quickly as it's dismissed. I forgot about the diner scene, uh, so I don't you know. You fell I can... asleep just like Ryan Gosling's character. No, I didn't fall asleep, but I don't think he mentioned it a single time after he tells the story. I think he actually does mention it because he mentioned it to Ryan Gosling. He's like, "What? You weren't listening to the diner story?" Is like I told you this. He and said he... that. No, no, he did uh, say th- that. This, was... this is when he was uh, falling asleep in the car. So he had that dream too. But yeah, that's about, not about about the the gun in his. Uh, There's in literally his... a scene where he brings up the the diner story yeah, again it, it and comes like, up later you're right uh, yeah yeah okay so he brought it up one time but i don't know that <laughs> like the, okay. well, gets, I, gets, the, I meant one time after the initial time but okay. like that's not character development that's just buying time and can, it, can i say oh, real quickly I disagree. i'm sorry yeah. go ahead nick no 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 what were you gonna say no i just i'm like on the cusp of completely forgetting what i was going to say so i just want to sneak this out there real First. quick so yeah, the whole thing about blue face uh in the in the exploding bag that gag doesn't really work at all. Like, I feel like that would have been a cool gag if mm. it had come back, if we had, like, found out the origin of that bag. But him just walking into the room and Russell Crowe, like, having a backhanded comment, like, oh, there's a there's a bag in there. I wouldn't open it. Like, that that whole, that whole sort of just the way that came about didn't really make any sense to me. And it was just kind of bizarre. Why did it not make sense? Because... Like it, it's it seems like it's something that keeps coming back throughout the film, and, and the fact that his name is Blueface, and he still has that blue shit I get on his it. face. And yeah. and but the lead up to it, like it seems like it's something that should have been a payoff for an earlier like delivery of that bag or something I, like that. I, I don't feel like it was meant to be a MacGuffin or as a plot device. No, I, 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 plot, not, but but, but yeah. I think that the reason why that joke was set up in the way that it was was that it was supposed to be sort of like. It was misdirected in a way that's like, oh, wow, they found something that would lead them to, like, find Amelia that he has. But it's like, no, it turns out it's just a black that has, like, that explosive blue dye that you're not supposed to, like, like open up in that, in that sort yeah. of way. I'm not saying that it's a good joke. I'm just saying that it's a joke. It doesn't need to be explained any more than it is because, like, it's sort of already clued yeah. into the fact that he knows other PIs, even though he's he himself is not a PI. But I, I guess... Who have props. Really just kind of where I'm going with that is is something about the, the script as a, as a whole is yeah. that I feel like there could have been a lot better payoffs to things and they just kind of were left there and we're just as Nick was saying we're there because they needed uh, something to happen in the story so they just went to the next part of the script so okay. I don't know. yeah I mean, I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna contest that I, I think that there are definitely a lot of like naked moments where it just seemed like, oh wow, it's like, why are we doing this? Like, did you read the script? Is that the script right there in the corner? I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to, to interrupt. No, it, yeah. we're all just interrupting each other because we're assholes, so that's fine. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Oh, I, the other, the only other thing I was gonna say in my general thoughts is just that the other thing that doesn't work about this movie is that it's trying to be a drama too, like separate from its noir plotline and separate from the fact that it's a at times extremely bizarre comedy. Uh, it is also trying to tell dramatic arcs with both characters, uh, and both of them for me fell flat. Uh, I, I was quite confused as to who in their right mind thought that the storyline, or I don't even know if I'd call it a storyline, but the reoccurrence of uh, what is Ryan Gosling's daughter's name? Uh, Molly March. Molly. Uh, the reoccurrence of Molly and Mr. Healy's, like, relationship, like, are you a good person? You know, did you kill that man? Like, cause, Her name's Holly, by the way. Oh, Holly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Should be. When, when you know, like, at the very end, and, like, there's, like, really actual, like, cheesy, dramatic music that plays over her, like, saying, like, don't kill that Are man. Are you going to kill him? And I'm just like, I might have to. It's yeah. just like, if, I mean, of all the people he has to kill, like, this guy probably deserves it. Like, her, her dramatic arc, the fact that it, like, her, I would say, dramatic moment hangs on Mr. Healy and not her alcoholic father who feels guilty for killing his her mother because he doesn't have a sense of smell like the fact that that's just a thing that happens <laughs> that's just a thing and you know like that but this is his what we're supposed to be his invested. alcoholism was was incidental to the to the death of and of his everything mother. is incidental to this entire movie and i think that's what doesn't work about it um yeah uh so for yeah for me like it it cannot juggle uh being a comedy with 
being dramatic and and the noir plot itself is just like i feel like raymond carver would read it not raymond carver raven chandler Mm -hmm. would read the script and be fucking confused because like he's kind of the master at you know like writing these uh whatever you call it long drawn out convoluted noir labyrinthian uh tales and I'm still I'm still hooked on the whole Raymond Carver thing. It's like wasn't that the guy who like invented like peanuts or something? Not Raymond Carver. Raymond Chandler. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> Yeah. But you know, he's the one who like whatever. Peanut butter. Um but this movie like you, you talked about personal investment on Mr. Huey's uh part. Mm. This move this plot, the noir section does not move ahead because of any personal investment, the plot only moves ahead because of the most coincidental uh, chances at the end of every scene. Uh, somebody either has to fall on a body, or a body has to fall on them, or has to be discovered. Or, or something. Has, yeah, like yeah. it is like somehow. And I get that that's always a part of noir, but I've never seen a noir basically make that the sole reason for every and I think that's that's what happens I, when I, I hate to, to bring this up but the the fact well, of don't well I'm going to because I feel like I have to just, just like kidding. thinking about it right now it's like are you going to bring up Inherent Vice no I'm, I haven't even <laughs> seen Inherent <laughs> Vice yet How, it's like, well this is just like Inherent Vice which I haven't seen yet but I'm still going to like talk about it because you know it's not like the because it's not like the original Inherent Vice I'm sorry I, I can't I can't do that. Can we just talk about anal and stuff? No, I don't. I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Anyway, um, so the whole, like... So just anal then, not and stuff, because you shouldn't say that. (sighs) And stuff. (laughs) Anyway, um, the whole... Uh, contention over the fact of a of, of car falling out of nowhere or just like falling onto a body. It's like those are literally things that also happen in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and th- and I get that those work in that context and why they don't work in this context. But just having a contention with those elements, Much in I have a contention with the idea that it's going to be that shall we say like plot uh, pivot mm-hmm. every time. Like yeah. you know, like it, there has to be more. Whereas in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, there is a lot more drawn on with shared character histories and mm-hmm. and other things that you can actually draw from a well to you know make something with. It's Here, more inter- intricately this is, drawn. It is the same exact plot beat over and over, which is oh, thank God we accidentally stumbled upon this because otherwise we wouldn't be able. You know, it, it's just we wouldn't oh. be able to move the plot. Right. <laughs> also, uh, I will say this: um, I think a lot of Accidentally shooting people, uh, which happens more frequently in this film than it does in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh yeah, uh, unfortunately, is more, I would say, incidental to the story. Uh, actually, the, to the to the film. Yeah, it's just a thing that happens. Right, but in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I feel like it at least involves characters who are somewhat involved in that moment of the story. Yeah. Like the, the, the tree or the, the woman in the window. I was, yeah, the woman in the window, uh, there's there's, somebody, there's another girl at a party, I believe that also bites it. Uh, and (laughs) even, uh, boy, talk about one of the most like, like rivaling, uh, Anne Hathaway's character shooting Bane in the Dark Knight Rises, like Matt Bomer just driving up and shooting uh, Amelia, the girl from The Leftovers. Uh, that just was kind of a limp one, I have to say. And and not even in a kind of like cool like oh yeah they just did all this and then he just pulls over and shoots her. Like it was kind of confusing to me why that would be a decision in in this story to have your entire film be based around that and then just kind of have her drive by and shoot her and that's the end of that. This movie tries to do something similar to uh, <laughs> Chinatown and Inherent Vice, I think, which is... <laughs> no, no, but... Which is to make its noir like storyline seem just inconsequential in a rabbit hole, but really it, it becomes so meaningless to the point where you're wondering why you started it in the first place. You know what I mean? It's not like you get to the end and you're like, well, how did we get here? It's like, no, we know exactly how we got here, and it was one of the most boring trips we've ever taken uh, for me. And you know. How about uh, how about the, the sort of look of this film? Because I feel like sort of the view of the smog, even the opening scene where we're going over the crappy, unrefurbished Hollywood letters... Uh, the the view of Los Angeles. I thought it looked really good, and that I, was very Blade Runner esque. Like I, I thought it looked like 
it looked like the like the the infamous like hell landscape of pan over is like only not as futuristic but like just seeing like the city lights of san francisco i just thought cinematography wise and just sort of um kind of just the shots that were chosen for this film and and the feel of it i thought the look really turned out pretty good in, in this film and i'm sure there are things that could have been a lot better but from that point of it, I thought that they did a very nice job with this film. The music, too. The music and the sound effects, I thought, were very spot on. So yeah, on, on that level, I thought the film uh, really worked. It's unfortunate that the story uh, and the characters and some of the uh, just some of a lot of actually a lot of other things of this film didn't really marry well together with that. Um, Nikki, Nick, you're big on on spotting things when seeing films in terms of, of visual. Yeah. Uh, f- well, how did you feel about this film? I thought the cinematography was not good. Okay. Like, it's not that it was poor. Obviously, whoever shot it is competent and whatnot. Philippe uh, Roosevelt, who has worked on the original Sherlock Holmes, Big Fish, and Interview with a Vampire. That okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, it, I just thought it was extreme. Like it had no visual language to follow. And so there were times when I was looking at shots and trying to figure out why we would have chose that shot. For example, and, it, and normally in certain movies, if the story is good or if whatever, I wouldn't even just notice. Like I, I do pay attention to that kind of stuff. But that's the thing is if you disengage me on one level, then I'll try to start grasping for straws and look at other things like the cinematography. And so I, maybe I paid a little too much attention, but like there was even a few shots in here that I just like got like confused at because um, there was a moment in which uh, they introduced the, uh, what's her name? Uh, the mother character. Oh, Kim Basinger's character? Yeah. Is that who that was? Yeah. I was trying to, find, okay. Um, just come a long way from Eight Mile, yeah, and and, uh, <laughs> and uh, that weird comment in uh, in, in L.A. The... Confidential. Oh, I was going to say Batman uh, when uh, Batman she... comments on her weight and saying that oh, there's no way you're 108 pounds. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, there was a weird shot after she's been introduced in the limo, so we've gotten to, like sure a full view of her face and whatnot. But when it cuts to her in the um, in the like her office her yeah. uh, law office or whatever um it, it like there were just times when i kept going to like a wide shot of the office and i'm like that's really weird because it's really dark and we can't really see the office so why do we need to see this like tableau like uh presentation of this conversation when simple shot reverse shots as however bland they might be would be much better and i don't know there were just times when this movie i feel like it went it did interesting things when it shouldn't have and then it couldn't cover like uh, on a uh, it couldn't substantiate why it actually did those things there was no real purpose other than for it to just be sort of a a momentary attraction right and um yeah i gotta say as far as how it recreated a 70 like it certainly did but (laughs) um, i know that you like i was talking to you about this nick uh before we went into because i was actually excited to see it simply off the strength of the the trailer because I got to see tower records and I was like, Oh, I hope I get to see a little bit more of that. And it's like, you, you kind of like on point, like made, made the, the statement is like, well, it's not really hard to do that. It's like, it's sort of just sort of like, how do you actually integrate that into the actual portrayal and the, the sequence of the story? Yeah. And when I was watching this, I never got why we had to set this in the seventies. Not because there weren't, it's cool. Not because there weren't period details that were certainly. Hey, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> Holy shit. So, what was up with that whole uh, thing with maybe this is the reason why it was set in the, uh, the seventies is just like what was up with that thing where Kim Bassinger basically just like looks at the cameras talking about somebody's got to take down Detroit. I'm just like, what the fuck did Detroit have to do with this? Did I miss something? I think it was supposed to be a silly little gag because she thinks she's still gonna be effectual, but we all know that Detroit didn't really make it. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, or, or, Detroit or, must make it. Or, no, I'm just saying. Like, I how, think, how about the the American auto industry? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, but that's like, why. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I get that we should, uh, you know, because it was set in the seventies because they wanted to tell a, a, a story about pornography. Like that was the only reason I could actually figure out, ascertain as to why it would be set in the seventies. Because for me. A, visually, yes, like maybe when they were at the party, it was certainly at the peak of trying, but it was also a little too much as far as like okay. that they seem to push everything into that scene. Um, but the the other thing is you guys were complimenting the music. I didn't think the music was that great because... Oh, uh, that's too bad. Because of the fact that 
like I feel like you either have to do Days to Confuse, like go all out and actually play songs like repeatedly, or like don't do it at all because mm-hmm. and let your actual I don't know, like your pro- okay. production. I thought the but- score like worked very well in like complementing sort of like the licensed tracks that were going on that. And just as a quick uh, note, because you actually just reminded me about this by talking about the actual um, the actual party, like the the pornography party where Earth, Wind, and Fire are playing. I thought personally, for me, um, again referring back to to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, is like one of my favorite moment, moments of that film is when uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character goes to the uh, the Christmas party and yeah, there's all those that's weird what it reminded those, me of those, too. Those, those those weird like performers like there's the woman in the glass thing that just kind of like dresses a reindeer I saw a lot of that in this when it was just like the Pinocchio guy was just like my nose is the only thing that grows <laughs> like, yeah, holy and, shit and there, there were small things like that throughout that's this film that's why I also the, felt like that party was redundant the, too the golden already rem- no, no I, I like that that's what I was saying I, I, I kind of like that I, I don't know about redundant redundant because we it's like if that's the best you you could have done it's a Hollywood you, party you already did it shit with... gets kind of turned yeah shit gets kind of turned um, I will say too Shane Black uh, at the end of the film at least uh, Christmas again this is a yeah. just a theme of him had so. a little which I, I love yeah. but, but Christmas uh, in but Kiss, had no Kiss real... Bang Bang yeah and in Iron Man 3 and yeah, in this did. film what yeah <laughs> oh wait that just totally sailed over my head <laughs> yeah um <laughs> I mean, I thought it was kind of pointless in this movie, other than just no, like, w- Shane Black. But yeah, that's yeah. that's where I'm saying it just keeps popping up in his movies. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Loves Christmas. He does. Th- hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Christmas nope. is great. That's yeah, right. Is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, other things we wanted to get to on this film, I don't know if there's that. There's really any. At least for me, I can't remember half of what happened. I. This movie. Oh, did you guys know that when you drink, you see bees? <laughs> I actually really enjoyed uh, Hannibal Burris's um, one little cameo as the bee. Okay, yeah. I actually one part I enjoyed, and I know Nick, and I actually audibly heard him scoff at it, and that's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the scene, uh, which was great, when he falls, Ryan Gosling falls into the pool. Keith David at, at the because they hit at the exam moment. He hits the water. Keith David goes splat on the on the pool deck, yeah. which was a great little visual. Yeah. And then uh, a little bit of a payoff earlier in the film <laughs> yeah. when Ryan Gosling turns around and he sees Richard Nixon swimming in the pool with him. Which is a reference to a story that like Russell Crowe's character was telling. Right. Yeah. right. And I I thought that was great. I thought that was really fucking funny. Actually. And I know Nick was just pretty much God. rolling his eyes. That's like when the movie Danny, lost me for good. He, he rolls his eyes like Danny Ocean after Terry Benedict <laughs> says, I was born ready in Ocean's 13. Just the biggest eye roll he could possibly do. Yeah, that is when the movie lost me forever because <laughs> I was like, wow, that was... Yeah, I, I was basically it. like Russell Crowe in this... Or not Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling in the scene that Ryan... Fuck, they both start with an R. Yeah. <laughs> I was basically like Ryan Gosling in the scene in which Russell Crowe tells the story about Richard Nixon, which is like, this is the only reason why you brought this up was just so that you could do this. and Yeah. Yeah. Why couldn't you just say that? Yeah. <laughs> but... But I don't. I so I, yeah. I don't. I don't okay. get it. So no, that's that's fine. I, I that that's the problem. Is there's there's this, also a guy in our theater in the front row who kept clapping after every hilarious oh, joke. Like yeah, he was having fun. That's the same guy who like he goes and sees Deadpool and thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, it's, don't compare this to Deadpool. Why? Why? How are they alike? Though I like Deadpool more than this. Oh, mm. mm. close. Yeah. Um. I will say, yeah, kind of what you're saying, Nick, about that scene, even though I enjoyed it and you thought it was not great at all, I think that's the problem for me, is that there are a lot of little things that I find amusing in this film, and they don't really all work well together. So I guess I'll start with my ratings, since I'm already kind of going off there, and that's, this movie actually is going to split right down the middle for me, because even though... Um, I, I didn't really love it, uh, and I didn't even really say I would really enjoy it. I'm still going to give it two and a half out of five because there were quite a lot of things here that either made me laugh or I enjoyed in terms of an action sequence, uh, as there were two quite good ones, uh, the pornography uh, party and then the final scene, which all kind of meshed together really well, especially that guy who talked about was applauding in the uh, front row. He was really enjoying that final scene, which yeah. is fine. I- yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, the entire sum of this film did not really add up to anything spectacular. And 
Um, I think I could even give this a lower rating on a, on a rewatch, and maybe I would go a half star higher, but it, it's two and a half for me. And uh, unfortunately, I think this is going to be one of my biggest disappointments from 2016 because really looking forward to this and it just uh, it just didn't end up uh, turning into anything that was that spectacular for me. So pass it off to Nick and he can give his rating, which I can only assume will not be very high. Uh, no, it won't. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, if this movie does three different things, it tries to make you laugh. Uh, it tries to make you feel, I think. Maybe it didn't, but then it wasted time pretending like it wanted yeah. you to. Uh, and it, of course, is has a noir plotline to follow. Uh, though the atmosphere certainly wasn't very noir. It was more just like, anyway, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> um, so out of those three things, it can't do the last two things at all for me. Like, neither of those uh, components, the noir and the drama worked and the way they fought each other was just ridiculous because it was like, which one do I care less about? So uh, as a comedy, I could enjoy this in in fits. Like it would be like the car that won't start, but the engine can crank mm. and it just makes me want to drive the car, but I can't because there were moments in uh, the, the hardest, or I should say the most I liked this movie as a comedy uh, was at the birthday party, pretty much from start to finish. I, I thought that was actually the best self-contained sequence of jokes from him talking to uh, his daughter's friend, Janet. Janet. Yeah. Like, it's like, no, I didn't take the Lord's name in vain, Janet. You know, um, to no, the way Janet. the way he says, I know Janet the way too. Janet. Yeah. Um, from that to the girl throwing the bowling ball behind her, I, it was Janet too. Fucking yes. Janet. <laughs> And um, and even, like, later on in that scene and when he's in the stall, like, I thought that's great physical humor. Like, I just thought, like, that movie was going to take off from that moment on. And there were other moments like that in which... I was going to say, I had the exact same reaction uh, when they were at the pornography party scene. I thought that that's where the film was really going to keep that tone moving throughout. And unfortunately, it never really hit that peak again, even even in the final scene, which was still pretty good, but it wasn't great. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. Yeah, and so because of that, I couldn't even really enjoy it on that level. And I, I like these two actors, and I like them together, even if I thought the script completely failed them. Uh, so because of that, because there are moments in this movie where I'm like, man, I want to watch the best version of this movie, I'm going to give it one and a half stars, which is sounds really low, but... It's, it's actually very charitable for you. I was going to say, like, I, I'm, I'm quite, uh, shall we say, I, I give out all ratings on the spectrum, so to speak. So, uh, and it could go up in my estimation now that I know what to expect. But um, in, in general, this just, this was just a a a major disappointment. Yeah. And B, this sounds really bad, but. <sighs> One of the biggest wastes of time, I think, hmm. at, at, I've had at the theater. Because halfway through this movie, this would have been a movie that like, I could have checked out from a library, and I probably never would have finished. Now, I'm glad I did finish it, because I, I like finishing things. But like the more this movie went on, the more I regretted like starting this in Denver. Uh, in Denver. Endeavor. Or in Denver. Or in Denver. So, yeah, so one and a half stars from me, and it's just really unfortunate because I like all the talent involved. Matt in Bomer, movie. too. Bad. Yeah, Very I like bad. Matt Bomer. Oh, not here. Very bad. No, not in Better movie. than Henry Cavill. I haven't seen uh, The Man from Uncle, so I cannot comment on that, but Matt Bomer was not good in this movie. To so. be continued. Okay. I've got it recorded on my DVR. I'm planning to watch it. Good. Just so we can continue that. Okay. Um, for my... <laughs> I'm glad that's how we ended my segment. <laughs> okay. For for my my rating, I think I came into this with a much higher one in mind, but I think that over the time of it just like parsing through and just like breaking it apart, just like, yeah, going back to your analogy, Nick, of just like being in a car and trying to turn it over, like, like the the story for this film is sort of like the engine and there's just not enough circulation between all of the different parts that are actually like allowing this to actually go forward and move into a meaningful direction that that literally like sets it apart on its own without sort of being sort of a I guess I can call it like a sha- uh, shallow shadow of like the potential for what it could have been apart from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It was like a lot of the things that I saw in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang I thought were really distinct about that. I saw kind of like shadows of that as I referred to before in this film and I felt like even though I really – I personally really enjoyed the chemistry between um, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling even though I really enjoyed – 
Russell Crowe's like character development because I thought that the diner scene was actually really important because it was referenced not one, not twice, but also three times. Perhaps not like twice by him and once the the the, the, the first time by uh, the 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 secretary of Kim Bassinger's uh, character. Um, but I think that ultimately, like looking back on it, I enjoyed myself watching this film, but I cannot refute any of the of the complaints that were really lobbied against it with the with a couple of exceptions of just like well that scene was in there it's just like you just probably didn't see it or anything like that it's like and, and that's fine had my eyes closed that's fine it's, well actually that's not fine you have to watch the film okay um but i think i'm just going to give this uh the same rating as i would alex and that i'm going to give this a two and a half out of five i think that there are some solid points in it that i really did enjoy um i really enjoyed uh the 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 stunt choreography and the violence so to speak yeah. I thought that was really shocking like i literally had my old uh, yeah, shit moments see, in the man, theater i can't i cannot co-sign that because i feel like this is really just on par with what happened in kiss kiss bang bang so uh, yeah dude know, i hate to tell you man i mean i guess there were maybe a couple more what about the scene in kiss kiss bang bang uh when robert downey jr like literally has his uh, finger. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Or he, when that. he straight up even... murders the the well, then... the guy in in the apartment, or when they throw the body uh, into the dumpster. I mean, come on, man. I feel like they, then what happens uh, off of the overpass? I mean, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's like, like I, it, it's quite the, literally so... the same exact <laughs> Looney Tunes kind of inspired comic. Mayhem. Somehow, I thought it was just a little more. It, it was a little more. Maybe there was like one more dark, and a little, squib, a little more. I, like, that's what I'm saying. I, like I feel like it was pretty much right on, right on board with that. It, but, it, okay. it felt a little bit more explicit, okay. and a little more like uh, inexplicable for me, at least. I thought it was more inexplicable in that in that sense. Like whatever. Okay. Um, I mean, there are. I'll yeah. Go with you in one sense, which is that there is slight a slight edge of I would say a cartoonish mm-hmm. action to this one even though I think because in fact that's why I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is somewhat starker in its violence because in this we even have a payoff kind of to a running gag in which Ryan Gosling character thinks he's invisible mm. uh, invisible invincible, invincible yeah. uh, because of the fact that you know like all that shit does happen to him and yet it doesn't ever seem to actually you know affect him so that's why I thought the movie wasn't really that violent uh, for the most part because it kept kind of maybe that was the only time it ever winked, but was saying like, yeah, but none of this really matters. I was almost certain that Ryan Gosling's character was actually going to get shot at the end as soon as he lifted up the uh, the the tape reels. Like I thought, you know, this could actually play out like in a Chinatown sort of way. It's like I'm not compa- <laughs> I'm not comparing this to Chinatown. I'm comparing it to like the you inex- said it, the, in- the inexplicability of just like you you yeah, can't boy, win that would have. That would have really been something if we found out that that was, like, his daughter. Speaking <laughs> of, really quick, before you give your final Cause, cause final was, sentence, yep. okay. I just want to say one thing now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. I think that'll, that'll be my final statement, which is that after watching The Nice Guys, I would so much rather watch the, the film that they have to rescue than the film that I just saw. Hmm. You know... I would actually be interested in seeing that. It's just like it, it like well, not because it's a porno, but just because it sounded interesting. It was an artsy film. It's just like Hey, she, I just watched In the Realm of the Senses last week, so I'm not against she, art house porno. She's so. just arguing it's just like it's like that's just the commercial element. Uh, sure. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's uh that's pretty much how I have to go off of that. It's just like it's a it's a okay movie. Yeah, barely. It's it's a okay movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, it's a, a bit of a disappointment for me. So that was our feelings on the Nice Guys, uh, the new film from Shane Black. If you have seen the film or have any thoughts on it, you can always feel free to send those to us at filmtankshow at gmail dot com, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at filmtankshow, especially. On Instagram, after Toussaint finally wears his shorts, I will post that right away. Oh, boy. Just uh, to make sure we have proof that this, in fact, does exist. I'll never wear them now. Oh, boy. On our next episode, we're going to jump right back into the superhero realm. Oh, fuck. I think this 
other than Suicide Squad, I think this will be one of the last major ones we have to do this year. So maybe we'll we'll get away from superhero films just a little bit. Thank God. And this is actually a superhero yeah. collection that you usually enjoy, Nick. That is true. And uh, that film we're referencing right now is the film X-Men Apocalypse, which is the uh, the third film in the McAvoy, Michael Fassbender uh, I guess it will be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film going to be directed by Brian Singer, uh, who came back for Days of Future Past and uh, shows up here again to bring the younger cast back for another installment. Uh, this film will feature, again, McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Nicholas Holt, and uh, some other people who've been in the previous films, in addition to Oscar Isaac. A uh, absolutely fabulous actor who I think all three of us have said that uh, a couple moments at least on this podcast as he is playing Apocalypse, who actually may turn out to be one of the worst villains of all time. We will see. We'll like, see. Worst as in like the most evil or worse as in the most incompetent and stupid? I was going to say I've, I am a little concerned about Apocalypse, but we'll see the film. And I will reserve my judgment until then. Okay. From what I've seen from the trailer, though, I am concerned. So we will uh, talk about that. Trailers Uh, don't mean shit. The nice guys had a great trailer. That is true. And guess what? It It wasn't wasn't that great. Yeah, the trailer was definitely the best part. We will talk about Apocalypse on our next episode, and we will hope to catch up with you then here on Film Tank. So from Nick Cheney to Sant Egan, myself, Alex Dankman. Alex Diekman. Alex Dankman. Thanks. Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to this episode, and we'll catch up with you next time. Oh.